The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will relive the Bucks title day as it is the one-year anniversary of the Milwaukee Bucks winning the title. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what a glorious day it was. We'll look back at the game. We will just discuss it all uh, from start to finish. We'll also talk about the top sports moments as a Wisconsin sports fan in my lifetime, a special tap list there in honor of Game 6 last year. I think you know what might be number one. And then lastly, we will move to baseball, talk about why this is the last normal quote-unquote year of baseball, and a lot will change in the following year, what that might look like, how that might change everything, honestly. Um, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but there are things that will have dramatic impact on what baseball looks like next year. Before we get started, uh, follow us on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram. Thanks to those who responded with the struggles that I've been having on Instagram. Turns out that Instagram kind of made an algorithm change with a lot more ads, with a lot more sort of TikTok-like exploratory shit. Um, so yeah, so you just have to adjust. You have to figure out what, how to basically, you know, disrupt that, and we'll move on. We'll figure that out. Uh, we're also on TikTok. Speaking of which, uh, it's having the keg sports there. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, rate, review. Sorry that I've been getting out the podcast late this week. Uh, apologize on that. Um, try to be better. I know there's a lot of you that listen in the morning, so I, I apologize. That I let you down. Uh, but hopefully that does not deter from a rating or a review. would really appreciate that. Also, share with your friends, please. Um, let us know. Let them know about what we have rolling here. Uh, would really appreciate that as well. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and the title run. So this year, a year ago today, the weather was very nice. If I remember correctly, it was not as hot as it is today, but it was a day where basically you woke up excited. You woke up fired up, you woke up ready to go as the Bucks were taking a potential title run to Milwaukee, that the Bucks were coming home after a dramatic game five on Saturday night. You had a couple days off, you had a couple days to breathe, and Tuesday was potentially clinch night. I didn't go to the Broad House on days that weren't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just didn't go to those. I felt like that was borderline on alcoholism, uh, going out to the bars on those days. Um, So I usually saved it for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the occasional Sunday. This was an exception. I had to be at the bar. I had to be at Broad House. There was no questions asked. I had to be with the people as we are getting closer to this date. And everybody knew that basically Milwaukee would be filled to the brim. A lot of the things we saw, and unfortunately the stuff that happened after wasn't great, but a lot of the stuff that we saw for game six of the Boston Celtics was like a, I think even a tenth of it, honestly. Like everybody was downtown. Everybody was on Third Street or in the Deer District or on Water Street. The city was absolutely on fire and it was absolutely packed. I remember getting text messages halfway through the day saying the Broadhouse is charging $10 to get in. I was pretty appalled by that. 
but it turns out that that was something that every bar was doing because they didn't want complete overflow. And actually thinking through that a little bit more and taking a step back, it was actually really smart. And I do wonder if on those more busy or you know warmer days, if that's something that's going to continue, if that's going to be a trend, but that's here nor there and we can discuss that at another time. But we got there pretty early. I remember I was busy with work that day because why wouldn't you be, right? This is one of the most important days as a sports fan and you're kind of swamped with work. And unfortunately, it's not like football where it's a Sunday afternoon and you're completely shut off. It's a Tuesday and you're getting ready for back to school stuff with working for an e-commerce company. And so it's like, shit, like there's so much going on. And my boss, she wasn't a sports fan. She's a great person, but not a sports fan. So I couldn't really be like, hey, the Bucks are playing or, or her turning out, turning out work and being like, okay, we're going to be going down to Milwaukee. None of that. Like she didn't give one shit. And so the fact of the matter is, is like, I think I worked up until like five, five, I think I worked till like five fifteen, five thirty that day. And I remember that it was, just, it took forever. Like it took forever for me to get out, finally get out. We get to the broad house and we're there, we pay the money. Um, I think there was a little bit of a wait, but not a ton. We get to the backyard, back area. The seats are completely cleared out. So I felt like, okay, the vibes are a little bit off. I think they might've done that for game five too, but there were no seats. There were no tables. Like they were trying to maximize their space. And the Brat House was fucking packed. Like, I hope you understand. Like it was 5.30 and it was already a party there. Like people, college kids have been down there for God knows how long. It was an absolute scene. And it was, it was amazing in a weird way because it, it just felt so good. Like you felt confident that the Bucks were going to win this game. I was talking to some friends this morning and Mitch made a comment who we'll talk to tomorrow and I'm sure we'll mention this a little bit, that it was like a foregone conclusion that the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win this game and that it never felt like it was in doubt. And so you're getting closer and the anticipation is building. You're nervously just slamming Miller lights and getting ready. And Tim's there, our bartender, who I'm sure we've talked about on the show. I haven't probably mentioned him, but Tim was sort of our lucky bartender. Uh, he was kind of our quote unquote guardian bar angel bartender. Uh, he just is a guy, great guy, uh, brought house worker. I uh, just was whenever we saw Tim, like the vibes were good. Uh, Tim knew our drinks by the end of the summer. I think he, we saw Tim a couple times, you know, in the the short bucks run this year. And again, Tim still knew like we were Miller Light drinkers. And Mitch was, uh, he kind of just went with whatever he was feeling that day. I was every time tall boy Miller Lights and that was it, right? And I've steadfast that Miller Light in a weird way, when you're going on a title run, you should be drinking the beer that is in Milwaukee. Like you shouldn't be drinking any craft nonsense. I love craft beers, don't get me wrong, but Miller Lite is the beer for you in the in this time. I realize that sounds like an ad read, it's not, but Miller Lite should fucking pay me for the next time we go on a playoff run because I'm telling you, I, there is not a bigger advocate for Miller Lite than when there is a championship run. So as the anticipation builds and it gets a little bit darker uh, and it, it turns to nightfall as we get ready for the game, the ball's tipped and the Bucks start off red hot. It looks like it's going to be an absolute blowout. It looks like the Bucks are going to ship pump the Suns and it looks like we are going to celebrate a championship and it is going to be this great day. 
We also didn't have Mitch there, by the way. Mitch was running late. He had to work the pregame show, I think it was. So Mitch wasn't going to be there for the the first part of this game. But we were with a bunch of people and was having a great time. I think Shannon was there. He had a DJ at some point, I believe. But Shannon was there and a few other friends. And so, like, we were having a great time. Like, and everyone's like, okay, this is this is going to be a dog walk. Like, the Bucks are going to just win this. They took the Sun Soul, and this fucker is over. And not so fast, because nothing's ever easy, really, with the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And in the second quarter, you had the Suns come back. The Bucks kind of looked lifeless. They didn't. They looked like they had exerted all their energy, like they carried over the energy from Game Five into Game Six. And then in that second quarter, it just really wasn't there for the Bucks. And they ended up trailing at halftime. I think that gets forgotten that the Bucks were trailing at halftime. The Bucks had not really done much in that second quarter and a lot of us were wondering shit are we going back to phoenix and that look if that would happen we would not have won that game i i I really truly believe that like i i don't know if the bucks come back and win like that would have been such a hard thing to get off the mat and part of the reason why this year was, was so important to close it out and Giannis did every fucking thing he could and he just needed one or two more guys which you had in this game because Giannis did a ton and in that second half Giannis went absolutely off he had 33 in the second half Giannis's stat line it will be hard to have a better closeout game that guy there are not many closeout games that are like that Giannis it's an all-timer it might be the best ever it's it's really hard to argue with the stat line that Giannis put up and if you watch the highlights that man refused to fucking lose he had 50 points 14 rebounds five blocks that is an incredible stat line there are not many stat lines that are like that Michael Jordan did have some good closeout games in his day LeBron James has had some closeout games. Steph Curry, all those guys. I don't think there's a stat line that compares to Giannis that's on Giannis's level. That, to me, is the pinnacle of closeout games. And Giannis almost did it against Boston again this year. But he didn't get the help that he got in this game. Because Chris Middleton was good. I mean, 17-5-5. Obviously, the Bucs did not have mids in the game this year. Bobby Portis was, was very good off the bench in that game. 15, 16 points. That, to me, gets a little bit forgotten. Uh, Brooke also had a couple moments. Uh, it was 10 points. He also had eight rebounds, which, uh, like, those are little things that I think we forget about, right? We don't really talk too much about the other guys that basically made sure the Bucks did not lose this game. That Devin Booker went completely silent with 19 points on only eight shots. That really, Jay Crowder was a better fact. Like, he had 15 Chris Paul had a decent game. I, I think there's some some things that get lost where like, oh, Chris Paul disappeared. I don't know if Chris Paul disappeared. I, I think maybe when it got tight, I think a lot of his points were in the first part of the game. And that's why people are critical of Paul's game six performance. Gets kind of flown under the radar because it's all about Giannis. But yes, the Milwaukee Bucks have a great second half. They basically had one bad quarter against the Suns. They, can't, they fight back in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, as the game was tied, heading into the fourth, the Bucks hit big shot after big shot. Middleton hits a big, big one. That's, again, another thing that gets like kind of lost in the shuffle is Middleton had a couple really big shots in that fourth quarter to kind of put the Suns away, and then Giannis finished them off. It was like basically a 3D, if you're familiar with the Dudley boys. Like Middleton got him up and Giannis finished the deal. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's hard to say what he did and how much 
it meant to the city. And then the excitement afterwards was pandemonium. Everybody was throwing their beers. Everybody was celebrating hugs. I mean, just like we did it. We did it singing, we are the champions. I'll probably post the video again at the review that night. Like it was, it was a glorious day. It was one of the happiest days of my life. Like I, honestly, like it was to have that, then your wedding, like five weeks later, like that's, that summer is an incredible summer and I, I just will not forget it. Like I, I really won't. And, and it was, it was just, it was such a good time to be there. And also too, like you hate to bring it in, but it, it matters. Like you lost that summer with COVID and you, you didn't have those moments and COVID took so much away from us and to not have that and then to basically get it a year later was really something special. It, it weirdly, it was almost like it made everything worth it. Like it made it even more special and having just the excitement in that city was unlike anything I had seen and just you know, Mitch unfortunately couldn't join us for the party because of the guy had to work the next day. But me, my guy and Eric, my guy Eric and I, who I don't go out drinking with Eric much anymore because he has kids and lives in the burbs. But to just sort of have that and run through the city and just have just this unbelievable excitement, and we were able to visit our guy Shay at Brothers for a little bit before the city unfortunately got shut down. Because there were some gunshots, which again, not great. And hopefully next time we're celebrating a title next year, we don't have any of that nonsense. But it was a incredible day. And it was something that I'll never forget. Um, being in Milwaukee for it is something I will hold near and dear to my heart. Um, walking home with Eric uh, from Water Street, which is about, eh, it's about an, a mile and a half, I think. Or so it's it's a long it's a long long walk home like it's not it's not an easy walk home um, and it's uphill it's it's pretty right but it was it it didn't matter like I don't I can't tell you I remember a ton of ton of that walk I can just remember how happy Eric and I were that the Bucks had won that won the title and just we were just kept like replaying different games like he was in the building which which I mean is all time like that adds another level but i'll say this and this might be a little spicy there was something about the bra house that year and we i think only lost like three games when i was there um this last that last season it was an incredible run and it was so ingrained and ingratiated in that bucks run that not being at the broad house would have felt wrong honestly it would have and you're like would you have turned down free tickets to be at the broad house probably not but did I ever really think about getting tickets or trying to find tickets? No, I, I, I really didn't. I, I was so at peace with being there with my friends where I had seen so many wins, so many just amazing moments. Like I've said this before and I, I'll say it again, like the game seven Bucks Nets is so up there. And it's so, it's way, 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 way up there in terms of major moments. Didn't make the tap list. And, and I, I think it's a very deserving honorable mention. But like that day will always be special to me. And I've said this before, but I had all my friends there. And when you're 33 years old, you do not get to have all your friends around you. You just don't. It, unless they're celebrating your birthday, your bachelor party, your wedding. Like you do not get all your friends there. And all, and I wouldn't say all, but a majority of my core friends were there. 
And that was so fucking meaningful. And I, I really, like, I've said it before, but if the Bucks would have lost that game, I'd been extremely sad. I would have been extremely disappointed. But I, at the end of the day, I would have been so happy that everybody was there. And so to celebrate with everybody, celebrate with a lot of friends in the same junction last year on this day it was really special. And it, these are moments that you don't forget as sports fans. And you'll remember. And when you have kids, you'll tell them and you'll tell them what it was like as they get older. And you watch old clips of Giannis. Like, if I, you know, boy, girl, doesn't matter. Like, I'm definitely showing them Giannis footage if they're basketball fans. Like if, and maybe Giannis is still playing when they're seven or eight years old and they can get the last bit of Giannis in their life. Uh, but if they don't, um, I, I will show them everything there is about Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I, I really hope that this is not the only title. I really hope that this isn't the thing that we have to hold on to. And Mitch and I will talk a little bit about championship windows tomorrow. It's kind of like a part two, right? This is the celebration, but now it's like, okay, we can celebrate it. We can live in this nostalgia for a year. But now in a weird way, this like closes the book. This is like you have a one-year anniversary and then it closes the book, in my opinion. You'll always have these memories, but it does close the book a little bit. So we'll talk about that with Mitch tomorrow. But never forget this day. Never forget this day. Even if you got to move on a little bit, this day will always be special. This will always be a memorable day for the city of Milwaukee because it was the first title since 1971. But let's hope that it is not its last. Moving on to the tap list. The tap list is a segment that we created, basically a list, you know, having a list of different things that we want to talk about. And usually sometimes they are related to what we are discussing today. Sometimes there's stuff in the news. Sometimes it's just random. But today, it is the tap list of Wisconsin sports moments as a fan. And now, a couple of rules, a couple of things I caveated. I have different eras here. Um, I have different teams. Um, I think that that's sort of what I look at and say, how, how do I remember it? I think also part of it has to do with, was I around to watch it? Um, I don't have the Ryan Braun, CC Sabathia Cubs game um, in 2008. More so reason, I was at football practice that day. That's probably, if we did a list of moments that I missed, that's probably number one, 100%. There is nothing that I hate that I missed more than that game because I was not watching it. I was at football practice. I had to hear from people as we're working out that the Mets had lost that day, but I missed that. So that is not on the list. I also do not have you know multiple moments from the same year. Now, I know that you're thinking, you're not going to have Game 7 in there. I do not have Game 7 against Brooklyn. I, I, it's not on the list. It doesn't make the list. The only thing I have that it, it's definitely in the honorable mention category, but that's sort of where I have it in terms of moments. And again, I think everybody's going to be different with this, um, but let's get into it. Uh, number one, obviously Giannis's 50-point closeout game. It's hard to replicate that. It's hard to imagine something better than that. Just given the stakes, given where you were, it was a all-timer for any sport. It doesn't matter um, across the board. Um, I, it's hard to imagine anything better than that. Um, it would be like throwing 400 yards, four or five touchdowns in the Super Bowl. 
And number two on our list is Aaron Rodgers against Atlanta. That probably is as good of a quarterback game as I'll ever see. And Giannis's game is as good of a basketball that I will ever see. But Rodgers did that in the second round of the playoffs. He did not do that in the Super Bowl. Yes, I understand that Atlanta was 13-3 and and very good. And I understand that they were going into the Georgia Dome. But Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's not at the level of Giannis. But Rodgers still lit them up. And that was an incredible day in its own right. I remember, I remember being in my parents' basement and seeing Aaron Rodgers go absolutely off. I remember that Twitter was just kind of starting and I had a Twitter account, but I didn't have it on my phone. I didn't have a smartphone at the time. And so I remember running to Twitter at, ha- at halftime just to see what people were saying about Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron Rodgers was doing. And just an absolutely iconic game that sort of put Aaron Rodgers on the map. Now, Aaron Rodgers had had a lot of attention, a lot of sort of notoriety, but to me, that was Aaron Rodgers coming out party. And I remember going out with my friends after that game, you know, we're talking about how we're gonna beat the Bears and, you know, we're all ready for this because we're assuming the Bears were gonna win because the Seattle Seahawks at that time had won and I think they were seven and nine. I think that's who the Bears played the next day. And so the Packers and Bears and, you know, everything that happened after that game was so special. And that sort of started the run for the Packers. And that's an incredible run in its own right. Like the Philly game is underrated in terms of excellent football games. The Chicago game actually is probably the worst of the four. Uh, But still, there were a lot of memorable moments in that one to get the Packers to the Super Bowl. And it's a, you know, it's right there with the Bucks in terms of, you don't forget those. You don't remember, you remember where you were. I was half in Milwaukee, half in Eau Claire. And to celebrate in Eau Claire was really special considering there were a lot of Vikings fans there and they had their hearts ripped out the year before with Brett Favre. So that made, that added an extra layer to that title. And you will not tell me differently. Number three is Niger Morgan's base hit to score Carlos Gomez in the 2011 NLCS. To me, NLDS, pardon me. Uh, That is sort of a moment that I think is tops for the Brewers. Now, granted, I was celebrating with absolutely no one. I think, I don't know where Seth was, my roommate at the time, but I watched that game by myself and even though it was weird to do that by yourself, it was still weirdly special. Like I didn't turn on any lights. I stuck to the chair. Like I, it was a intense, intense baseball game. Like you're hanging on every pitch. It, it was, and to have the outcome be a base hit up the middle to score Carlos Gomez, who was flying around third base. And at that point, you really thought the Brewers were going to win the World Series or at least get to the World Series. Unfortunately, they did not. They ran into a red-hot St. Louis Cardinals team who Ron Renneke could not manage against. Uh, Tony La Russa, while he gets a lot of shit 11 years later or 12 years later, now coaching the White Sox, Tony La Russa absolutely put Ron Renneke in a fucking body bag in that series. And Ron Renneke did not know what he was doing and was completely lost and part of the reason why the Brewers lost that series. And they fought with the Cardinals, but it, it just, it it never got to that next level, right? You had the disappointment after. I think a lot of the moments that we mentioned after, besides number five, 
or there was that, but then it's like a yeah, but like after what happened, it was like, ah, it didn't, didn't end the way you wanted it. And the Nigel Morgan hit though was a great, it was just this amazing moment. 2011, I'd argue is the best Brewer season out of the, all of the great ones that they've had because it was the first sort of year of dominance. You had 2008, which was so weird because they were so bad in September. They nearly choke it away. They fire Ned Yost in the middle of September. And they, they do enough. They cobble enough together. The Braun walk-off Grand Slam was incredible in 2008. Also, the Braun you know, home run against the Cubs, as mentioned, was incredible. But that was they got swept right away by the Philadelphia Phillies. So you didn't necessarily have that sort of, I guess, connective tissue, right? It was like this great regular season. It was this great finish. But then you, the bottom immediately fell out. Like they did everything they could to get to the playoffs. And then they didn't have anything left in 2008. Then in 2011, you were able to basically hold off a Cardinals team that came from the death to basically make sure they didn't win the division. You're able to beat Arizona in five games after two brutal games in Arizona. And and you're able to then take home. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. But that was a great year. That was the first year of really Brewer dominant. 2018 was very fun with the Brewers. I think you could put that right up there with it. Brewers took the Dodgers to the death. But that 2011, I think you'll never kind of forget your first in a weird way. And unfortunately, it did not end the way the Brewers wanted it to. Number four, Dwayne Wade's triple-double all time. You just, you don't see triple-doubles in college basketball. The fact that he did it in the Elite Eight, the fact that he did it against a Kentucky team that was supposed to be otherworldly, that everybody had penciled in to win the national championship was the best team that year. The fact that Dwayne Wade did that was incredible and should not be forgotten. Um, it, it goes down in the annals of all-time moments. Uh, definitely one to not forget. Um, it brought the Marquette Golden Eagles their last Final Four in 2003 and something that I think Marquette is still trying to capture today. They've had some moments with Buzz Williams. They've gotten you know to the Sweet 16, but that's sort of been, and the Elite Eight for that matter, uh, but they, they haven't necessarily had that Dwayne Wade team and that moment. That team will always be special um, to Marquette fans. It's hard to forget about what impact the 2003 Marquette Golden Eagles had on the university and the run for that for the Golden Eagles. Like it just it's it's never it's never forgotten. And I'm a, it's a little more fuzzier for me than I think for some other people because I was younger. Uh, at the time, I think I was 15. No, I was 14. 14 or 13. Uh, it, was, it was a long time ago. Um, but it's still something that you don't forget and you always you always hold close to you. And if you watch back that game, Dwayne Wade wasn't letting Marquette lose that basketball game. And it's why Dwayne Wade is still held in such high regard by the Marquette fan base. And I think even some Marquette fans had trouble cheering against the Heat um, during the Heat Bucks sort of rivalry because of Jimmy Butler, because of Jay Crowder at that time, and Dwayne Wade. Um, a lot of Marquette fans became Heat fans um, when they the Bucks weren't very good, um, and that that's sort of the impact that a college player can have on a university. 
The last one I have is Desmond Howard's kick return. I was only seven. Still an incredible play. Still an incredible moment. It was the moment where you kind of knew the Packers were going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I don't maybe have as good of a, like I was a kid, right? I was with my parents. I think the one thing I will say about that game um, as I get into my feels again, uh, it was the fact that uh, we basically had just my family. It was just my mom, my sister, my dad. That was it. That was all we had. We didn't watch with anybody. We didn't go to a Packer party. We, we stayed at home. And that made it very special. It also made me watch games with my family going forward. Like for a long, the longest time when I lived at home, like I watched games with my parents. I watched games with my mom and dad. Um, and it was always so special to watch football games with them. And those are memories that I don't forget. Like I still remember sitting in the chair that I would typically sit in, watching the fail Mary with them, saying I have to get out of the house. I slammed the door and I went on like a two block, like walk around the, like I couldn't be there. Like I was so infuriated. And like, I remember 2007, I was supposed to drive up to Eau Claire and my friends I think got drunk that day. It was my freshman year of college. But a massive snowstorm prevented me from going up and watching that game with them. But I watched it with my parents. And I have a lot of Packer memories with my parents. And that was sort of the start of it. And that was sort of, and going forward, just every big game really from 96, gosh, until 2016, 17. I remember maybe a little bit less than that, actually, because I moved in with my buddy Fant. I'd have to, like, go back. But, like, yeah, there is a there's a long, long time period where I watched every big game with my parents. And that's memories I hold very deep. I hope to do the same with my children um, with years to come. And who knows what quarterback. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will be quarterback. Just kidding. Uh, and then, uh, honorable mention, uh, I have to mention Rodgers' drive against Dallas. That all-timer. Um, just one, the Packers blow that lead. They Classic Mike McCarthy, get way too conservative. Aaron Rodgers then comes through with the, with basically this incredible pass to Jared Cook. I, I still have a hard time believing that happened. Um, I could not believe that Aaron Rodgers... I was working for Associated Bank at the time, so I had to actually be like on the job and I, I was I mean I was just in absolute awe. I think I was by myself actually watching that game. And then Rogers hits the and then the Crosby gets the field goal and the Packers win that game. Skip Bayless still has conspiracy theory on that game, which is incredible. Uh the the Packer Cowboy rivalry, the fact that it it's flipped on its head in the last decade has been something special for me. I think growing up in the nineties where the Cowboys were so hated and the Packers have owned them in the playoffs. They haven't played in a couple of years. I'm actually going to be there for Packers Cowboys this fall. And I cannot wait. Very excited for that game already. And it's like in November. Uh, last thing. And then I, I mentioned Bucks game seven. That definitely should be there as well against Brooklyn. Uh, that was very fun. Uh, to me, that was more fun than Bucks game six against Atlanta, even though that was still memorable. None of my friends were actually here in town for that. I watched it with my wife. We had a, we had a great time. Uh, my wife, credit to her, went down to the broad house. I was like, we have to go. 
and no one was around. It was a very weird scene because it was 4th of July weekend. Everybody out there was just ripping heat. It was a weird fucking crowd. Um, so lesson learned, we'll probably look for somewhere else if we have to watch a clinch over a holiday weekend. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely still memorable in its own right. But yeah, the Brooklyn uh, win was unlike... Uh, it, was, it was the start of everything. It was kind of like the Tony Plush hit, but then you had the finish, which was the Giannis 50-point game. I know I was going to do some baseball stuff. I'm not going to do that. You know what? It's been 30 minutes. This has been great. Um, no need to switch gears. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I hope you celebrate the day. Um, if you go out to the Mecca or the Cooper Ridge tonight to, to watch Game 6 again, enjoy that. Weather is great for it. Um, I will not be in the house. I'm actually going to be podcasting with old Mitch. Um, and we're going to be talking about championship windows. We'll talk about the Brewers in the second half. And we'll talk about a lot of other things. We'll also maybe, well, we'll do next week probably getting ready for Packer training camp. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. And we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.